Welcome to Smart Branding, a podcast dedicated to branding, naming, and domain names. I'm Tatiana Bono, and with my guests, we try to help you create and grow strong, memorable, and meaningful brands online. I believe time is one of our most precious assets, and so I want to thank you in advance if you decide to spend the next 30 minutes with us. I promise to do my best to make those worth it. Let's go. All right, so my guest today is Sohin Shah. He's the founder of... Uh, sorry, he's founder of Instaland and also an angel investor. We're going to talk about his experience, how he bootstrapped his company that's recognized as one of the fastest growing private companies uh, and everything along the way. So thank you for making the time and great to have you with us, Sohin. Thanks for having me, Tatiana. So let's start with a bit of a background. Tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, how did you get into entrepreneurships and how did you get to launch Instaland? Sure. Um, so just as some background on myself, I was born and raised in uh, Mumbai from India. Um, and I moved to New York about uh, 14 years ago. I came here for my higher education for a master's degree in uh, financial engineering uh, at NYU. Um, after I graduated, I was always keen to uh, try and solve a problem that either myself or others are experiencing. Um, and, uh, you know, that's what led me to come up with quite a few different um, initiatives, which I tried to move forward on as, as a business plan. Um, and, you know, some of them had more merit than the others. And through trial and error, uh, I, I ended up uh, founding Instaland with my co-founder. Um, and today it's recognized as one of the fastest growing private companies in the United States. Great. And when was that? I mean, how long did that take you from like coming up with the idea to getting to that realization? Okay, that's where I need to focus. That's that's what's going to work. Yeah, we had quite a few trials and errors, learning curves as well. Um, we officially started the company in 2015, uh, which was eight years ago. But I think mm -hmm. uh, it took us a couple of years before we really understood what kind of a business model would work for us. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we had to fail forward. So tell me, of our listeners, in a few sentences, what does Instaland do? Sure. Instaland is a lender for real estate um, nationwide in the United States. We lend money for anyone that is looking to buy an investment property, which means mm -hmm. a property that they would not live in, but they would probably have a tenant or, you know, they try to fix up a property and then sell it. That's what mm -hmm. we lend money. And, and what makes you different from other players in that market? Um, I think it's uh, the time that we take to close, right? A loan is mm. very short. Hence the name Instaland, where we're pretty mm -hmm. in our services. Uh, if you look at some of the Google reviews, you'll see that uh, speed, a personal touch, and access to the founding team are a few things that our customers appreciate a lot. Um, mm. My business partner and I personally oversee all aspects of the business. We speak to every customer even today. And so, um, you know, trying to make sure that there are no bottlenecks and roadblocks in the process. And we try to give them a satisfactory service as fast as we can. I think that's what's mm. helping out. Mm. That's, yeah, that, that is something that I think is rare in that industry. And tell me about the naming. How did you come up with the name? Sure. Um, so I think the biggest challenge that, someone looking to get a loan on a real estate property is time to close, right? How mm. fast can I get money? Because good deals will not wait along, right? So if you don't mm. have the money, 
to close, someone else will come in as a buyer, make a better offer and take the property from the seller. Mm. Um, so speed matters a lot in our industry. Uh, and you know that's something we recognized early on. And we wanted to assure our customers that you know we close fast. And that's how we came up with the name InstaLend. It stands for Instant Lending. Mm, absolutely. And what about the domain? Because you said you have, uh, at least for, for now, or at the moment, you're focused on US market only, but you, you you got a .com name. So was that, did you initially launch on that? Was that a concern? How did you come up with, you know, getting that matching .com domain name for the brand? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, initially, with some of my previous uh, ventures, I had used domain names which were not .com, like a .co, uh, mm-hmm. else, um, .info as well. And what I learned is most used by default when you tell them your website, um, mm-hmm. add a .com at the end because that's just how we think, right? So, mm. if you, tell, you know, inst- if I tell a customer my web, my company's instill end, and suppose they do not know the domain name, uh, should they ever want to look us up, either they'll Google us or they'll type instillend.com. That's just mm-hmm. natural instinct. Uh, we wanted to make sure we do not lead and uh, when we do not lose any potential leads. Uh, and so .com, which is so intuitive, is what we decided to go with. Mm, absolutely. And I completely agree with you on, on that. I think you you kind of captured it very well that instinctively we all go to to that without thinking, you know, anything else you'd have to wonder. And I, I actually, it's crazy that um, even, you know, it's been 30 years of internet and it happens to me like I would read a an article about a company and they would talk about, you know, they raised money or they've done something amazing and there's the name of the company, the name of the company. And, and you start looking, obviously, initially I go to the, the dot com, like, like, you know, as with anyone. And if you don't find them there, there's just like, it's, 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 you know, okay, let's try call. Okay. Let's try, you know, whatever the country they are in the extension, let's try. And it's just crazy. And I'm like, you got yourself, you know, to that level of success where, like you know reputable publications are writing about you yeah and people can't find you you can benefit from that it's it's just crazy absolutely and if i could add one or two more things right with one of my previous ventures we did not have a dot com and uh what ended up happening was uh if your if your business is doing well and you're not a dot com someone's gonna buy the domain name with the dot com extension matching your name uh, and they'll try to sell it to you so what they'll do is they'll do Google AdWords to lead your customers to their website and then help you recognize that, hey, you're losing all these customers because instinctively they're clicking on the .com link, mm. any link you have, any uh, extension you have. And then mm. they want to not lose out on these customers, buy the domain name from us. And you know, mm. it's a hefty price you have to pay. Um, mm. It's something I've been through. Um, and secondly, I think um, if a customer is Googling your name and they see a .com as a link and a dot info as a link, let's say, right? Mm. Instinctively, they'll be tempted to click on dot com, assuming that that is the um, website they intended, mm-hmm. to, even if it was the wrong one. Absolutely. Well, I think we, yeah, I mean, like 30 years of internet, that's the most recognized, most common uh, extension it's a brand of its own. So we instinctively trust it more. It's not even just about like, yeah, if you, if you, if you're given the choice, you, you're going to presume that's the, the, you know, that's the real company. Not only that, I do have sometimes um, 
like because uh, there, there is a lot of scam on the internet and all, and all that and sometimes i would have like legitimate companies or what turns to be a legitimate company approaching me with some requests and if the domain is not come and especially like if you go to some weird extension or if you have a lot of added words like try blah blah or we are blah blah whatever the brand yeah. is and it, it's just i struggle to to trust that you know we, we, you 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 Effectively, even if it sounds like a good proposition that they're trying to sell me, I'm going to have mm-hmm. to take out of my time to go and Google if that company is legitimate and then decide whether I want to buy their services. And that's a lot of time, you know, that I may or may not want to, to sacrifice for that to decide whether I want to, you know, use their services. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, tell me a bit about the, the, the journey. I did mention at um, at the beginning that your your company was uh, listed as uh, twice, I think, if uh, if I'm not wrong, in the five thousand fastest growers, growing private companies in the US. How did you get to that, and what would your advice be to? And and that's in a short period. You said you launched in 2015. It's not that long at all when you think about it. In a very competitive industry, what what was some of the like hardest things you had to overcome? Um, I think. Uh... You know, the way we've gone about growing the business is uh, probably contrary to the advice you get from Silicon Valley today. Uh, <laughs> one of the things we we were very um, mindful about was uh, burn rate. Uh, how much money would we be um, burning through every month in order to try and grow the business, right? Um, mm. I come from a mindset where, you know, trying to have a loss every month to try and grow the business is not a good discipline in my opinion. Mm. If you're not making money on every sale where, you know, you are net positive, then, uh, you know, sooner than later, you're going to run out of your cash pile unless you can raise money. Um, Mm -hmm. And trying to raise money, you're at the mercy of, you know, people you don't know to try and see value in a vision that only you can relate to, right? Mm-hmm. The whole reason why someone starts a company is they identify a problem statement which they feel very passionate about. If others felt so passionate about the problem statement, they would have started the same company. But they did not mm-hmm. start the company because they cannot feel the same pain point that you as an entrepreneur feel. So no one's going to understand the problem statement better than you. Hence, when you mm-hmm. try to raise money from someone, you are trying to tell them, please believe that I understand the problem statement so well that you want to give me the money. And mm-hmm. that's a very tough conversation to have. So to make mm. your life easier, if you are positive on every unit economic, right? Economics, uh, every sale that you make, you will probably never have to raise money. And that's when you're bootstrapped, right? Mm. A very tough discipline to start and grow a business with because initially you're losing money, which I do recognize, right? Because you have fixed costs, maybe salaries to pay. And mm. it takes a few number of catch-up months or years before the number of clients increase to to help the revenue amplify and then make it a positive business. But if you can model that out, if you know you have you know enough of a runway to go through this exercise, um, then I think a good discipline to start and grow a business is by bootstrapping it. Uh, and once you learn the art of being you know, positive in revenue for every sale you make, um, it amplifies that scale. And that's what happened to us a few years after we launched, right? It was very challenging mm. early on. Uh, but once... I think just around 2020, once COVID hit, uh, we started seeing the benefit of of being positive on every transaction from mm. a revenue perspective, and that escalated at volume. Mm. I think that's a very good point, especially because nowadays, like everybody's like after raising money, like raising money, raising as as if it's you know the best thing, the only thing to do. 
which, you know, it, it has its place. And I see that as well in the way it affects, uh, I mean, because I work with naming and domains, the way the way it affects that as well, even like the way there, because there's, there's a difference when you're launching a business and you're in it yourself for the long run. Like you said, you understand the problem and, and you're not there to, you know, have an exit or sell the company or, you know, make some cash quick and whatever. Um, there's a difference how you treat your brand as well because you are thinking ahead, you know, how it's going to develop in the future. How is it going to, like, is it going to limit you in any way? Um, is it open to expansion to different markets, to different services? Um, and and it's it's great to yeah to to have to somebody like you to say yeah it's going to be hard at the beginning, but then it pays off and it's doable as well because I think a lot of people um, who who launch themselves with that idea just like the focus I think is getting wrong because the focus then is not on the um, customer you're serving on on your product, on your brand, on what you're offering. The custom, the, the focus starts being, how do I convince somebody to give me money? Correct, and it's a big distraction. Exactly, and and it's also you start focusing on different uh, measurements and on different things that you do with you know your time daily, even. And it's a it's a very different story, and I've seen that so many times, and it's kind of. Uh, sad to see, especially as you said, because there's you know a limited uh, number of investors, if you like, and, and money to invest in, and you can have some ideas that were actually good, that you're just not going to make the cut because they're they're not part of some trend, or you know the the person who has the idea is just not good enough at presenting it, or didn't present it to enough people, or whatever. Whereas you know they could have tried and bootstrap it and, and succeeded. Correct. Yeah. And another thing is, as an entrepreneur, you're anyways so busy, you know, you're pulled in all different directions because in the mm. early days, an entrepreneur is a generalist. He's wearing, he or she is wearing all different hats. You know, the entrepreneur mm. is the person, is the tech person, is the operations manager, customer service, everything the entrepreneur is doing. Right. And so at that point, instead of identifying how to make your business foundation stronger, if you're distracted with fundraising, who's going to grow mm. the business? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So I think it's easier to raise money at a later point. Um, you know, once you have product market fit and product market fit, in my opinion, is when, you know, you are positive on every transaction, you're revenue positive on every transaction you do, and you can account for at least a certain number of transactions consistently each month, you know, which mm. is going, right? Let's say if you had 10 customers last month, this month you have 11, next month 12. That's fine. It's a slow growth, but consistent. At that point, mm. you know, Hey, if I had, let's say, a million dollars more, I could probably have 100 customers a month. That's a good story because now you know you're not losing money on every deal. And so if you're infusing more money, right, it's only better for the business and the investors. Mm. And also you you have like it's a it's a different discussion. You're not in a needy position, if you like, because right. as you said, for example, in your case, you were doing things that are not very traditional in in terms of you know how things are done in, in your space, but it worked. Yep. What would your like tips be? What do you feel in terms of, and, and it's not your first venture you mentioned. So what would you say entrepreneurs get wrong when it comes to to launching and, and growing their businesses? Get wrong? Is that the question? Get wrong. Yeah. 
What you would say? I mean, obviously, there are a lot of things, but like in your opinion, the most common things, if you could name one or two that you feel are like really, you know, in your face. Yeah, I think I've seen. Uh, so just just to give you some more disclosure, despite me saying that everyone should be boots, in my opinion, you know, good discipline is bootstrapping. I do invest mm-hmm. a lot as an angel investor, which means mm-hmm. if someone's asking me for money, I will give them the money if I believe in the business. I have done more than 160 angel investments till date. Um, so I have a decent amount of experience of seeing other young businesses either succeed or not succeed. And mm-hmm. back to your question, if they've not succeeded, some of the biggest reasons that I have seen is because they have focused too much on the product and too little on speaking to the customer. Mm. You can have the best house that you build, but if no one's living in it, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And it's the same with yeah. this business, right? As an entrepreneur, while you want to have you know the best product, you need to make sure you have a customer. If there's never going to be a customer, there's no point to your product. The business mm. is good. Yeah. Definitely. And I can totally relate to that from, you know, the, the point of view of naming and domains. And that's something that I actually, before, before I got into naming and domains, I um, had an IT agency and, and that was a very similar problem where you would talk to people who come and actually pay you to consult them. And you would tell them, okay, you should do this. And, you know, that's an idea and that's uh, whatever. And the suggestions that we were giving then with the IT, you know, software, websites development, and now with the naming and domain strategy, the suggestions are always based on your target audience, always. Right. And people would come back with, yeah, but I like that. And yeah. I don't have a problem with this. And I this and I that. And it's like, it's not about you. <laughs> You know, it's not about you. Otherwise, you know, why launching a business? Do do a thing for yourself, you know, and, and be happy with it. <laughs> it. It's crazy how adults that have, you know, experience in different fields and sometimes even more than one business they've launched are, are still forgetting that, as you just said, like people get carried away with how great a product or a service or idea they have is without actually checking and talking to. And it's an ongoing thing. You know, I feel that things can change. People change, you know, problems change. Like yeah. the, the way we see things, like it goes so quick that, yeah, I think it's not just even a one-time exercise where you have, oh, I have this idea and you check and you talk to people and it's great and they love it and you launch it. It can completely change over even one or two years. Right. Absolutely. I think uh, that's the benefit of speaking to customers early on and consistently. Uh, mm. You know, they give you feedback, which will help you reposition your approach towards the product or your product. And, you know, one or two years later, when you look back, you'll say, hey, man, this is a completely different product from what I thought mm. I wanted. But kudos to me and the team, because we were talking to the customer. They helped us understand what we should be doing. And that's how, you know, the business got its final identity. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, when you think about it, some of the biggest businesses, you know, like enormous tech and other giants, they actually didn't start as what they are today by far. And that's, you know, in itself telling, I think people forget that often. And you mentioned um, angel investing and you've you've done a lot of investments yourself. What role does the name, I'm I'm still going to jump into naming, what role does the name of a, a business play when when somebody approaches you to invest in their business nothing i don't i don't honestly i don't look at the name um it doesn't matter if 
you know, I've seen many businesses where the name is synonymous to the service they're offering. Mm-hmm. And many businesses where the name is completely unrelated. And, you know, I'm, I'm left wondering why did they name the business so-and-so. Turns out some of them have an emotional connection to the name. Like they grew up mm-hmm. on the street and they named the business after the street, which is mm-hmm. fine. You know, um, as long as they feel the passion for the business, as long as they're able to explain to the customer what they're doing, that's what matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Google does not think the way I think, right? <laughs> so uh, would that work with Google? I don't know. Some businesses, uh, if they do not have a lot of competition around the keyword, right, are easier to mm-hmm. find on Google because the name is synonymous with the kind of offering they have, mm-hmm. right? Whereas uh, other businesses might have had to invest a lot more in SEO um, or maybe, you know, they, they go the route of pay-per-click to make sure mm-hmm. that it's being displayed on the uh, higher rankings. Mm. Uh, I guess it's kind of... It doesn't matter to yeah. me. Um, as long as the entrepreneur can show they understand what they do, um, the customers recognize that the product makes sense. That's mm. what we care most about. Yeah. Yeah, I was saying, um, I guess it comes down to the same thing. Like everything that a business does is about the customer. So it, it comes down to that if, if the name is a hurdle to... Uh, I don't, you know, to, to the business functioning and it's making it lose money or making its marketing or, or you know, efforts ineffective, then obviously it's a problem. But as an investor, you, if I understand correct, you're looking for uh, the solid business foundation and, and the idea behind it and the ability of those people to execute on it. Correct. And how, I mean, how... Well, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, because we're talking about the angel investing part and also the um, Instaland part. Like, how do you manage your time? What would you say, do you spend more time on? How, how do you manage with that? I think I spend about an hour a day um, on angel investing or reviewing any potential uh, opportunities because that's a passion project for me. Um, mm-hmm. Rest of the time, you know, uh, it's mainly work and then family life. Mm-hmm. And do you are you interested in the in that sector, lending properties, or is it open to like anything? No, anything. I'm I'm sector agnostic. Mm-hmm. On that, because like obviously now there's everybody is talking about artificial intelligence and there's that big craze and like everybody wants to launch an AI project or uh, invest in one. What what are your thoughts on that? Um, I I think uh, th- there's still a long way to go. I think there's good technology being built, which can um, help train technology to think around the same lines as we would expect the technology to think around as a human. Right. Mm. Uh, I think beyond that, there's just so much data. We still need to uh, have the tech trained on that. It could be mm. you know a while before we we truly see um, the the artificial aspect be intelligent. Mm. Today, it's more uh, robotic. It's procedural, right? So if you tell uh, the system what to do and you give it data which is in line with the data it was trained on, then it can give you the right outputs. Mm. But what happens you, if you do it in a situation where, uh, you know, there's no historic data? Mm. Oh, not only that, I think that there's a, it works both ways. I think we need to learn to use it correct as well. And I don't, like, I'm, I'm curious to see what a 
the effects because it's a two-way communication. It's, uh, you know, the AI is advancing, the system is learning based on the input people give it, but right. people also need to educate themselves on how to do that better. Absolutely. So in a way, we, we, we're kind of messing it up because we're not using it correctly. And, and it's interesting to see how how that evolved. Like just in my personal experience, I find that ChatGPT, for example, it was working much better when it first launched than I find it now. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's just me, but, but yeah, I, I, do, I do find um, that... I'm kind of curious, but definitely living in very interesting times in terms of technology, which is great to explore. Do you use artificial intelligence in Instant? Um, no, I think our business model is pretty streamlined um, at an industry level, not just for us, right? So mm. uh, I think for us, it's more of the processes that uh, the industry follows that we abide by. Uh, I think it's not there yet in terms of leveraging the benefits of artificial intelligence mm -hmm. because you're giving out money right and these are you know big chunks of money um mm. and i think any business which is similar to us would want to have human review be a part of it uh, artificial intelligence can help to a certain aspect uh, for example, scanning through reports and, you know, mm. uh, putting out red flags, which I think is being done very successfully. But beyond that, I think to make sense of these red flags and analyze it and assess it for mm. its credibility um, and lending ability uh, is something where human intelligence is required today. Mm. And you did mention at the beginning that one of the things that really kind of makes makes you different is is the fact that even you as the founders personally still get involved in talking to clients. So I think it's very important to, yeah, like you say, it's great to use artificial intelligence as a tool, but it's actually nice to talk to real people. Right. In a way, I feel it actually gives more value to real human interaction, the fact that there is so much artificial intelligence out there. I feel like, like on a very small level, to give you an example, like since ChatGPT launched, there's so much automated, you know, or semi-automated content and emails and everything that it makes me so much happier when I see content or an email that I feel is written by a human. Yeah, yeah, I think AI can help. Uh, it can assist the human efforts today. I don't think it, it's there yet just to replace it. Yeah, absolutely. So one last question, I guess my standard last question is, what are you looking forward to? What are you sort of gearing up to in in your personal and in, in your business life? Uh, I think on the business front, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how the economy plays, given how high the interest rates are in the United States today. Uh, the next 12 months will be pretty uh, interesting to see how they shape mm. out last. Um, you know, whether it pushes everyone on the brink of, a correction or a recession, um, which doesn't seem likely, but, uh, uh, you know, the rates have been so high. So uh, that's something mm. I'm, uh, I'm following pretty passionately. Um, and then on the personal side, you know, just, just I think uh, it's been interesting to see that early stage startups are now starting to go public again. You know, we had uh, ARM go public, Instacart is going public, uh, has gone mm. public. So 
I think uh, you know I'm eager to see if any of the angel investments made also make it that far. Mm. Great. Well, thank you so much. That's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I'm sure our listeners will find some value for them in, in this discussion and we'll include all the ways to reach you um, in the comments to the best podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Smart Branding Podcast. Feel free to visit smartbranding.com for more information and reach out if you have any suggestions, questions, ideas, or just want to learn more about how a good domain name strategy can help you build a strong and successful brand. See you next time.